And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. KU football did it. They disappointed lots of people um, when the line is... Not that far off to not be disappointing, and that was the case on Saturday. 41-14, to they lost to Texas Tech, and honestly, that score was closer than that game was. Yeah, it was 40, was it 41 nothing or 38 nothing? It was 41 nothing, and okay. then Miles Kendrick came in and a couple late touchdowns. A couple meaningless mm-hmm. touchdowns. Yeah, that was, um, there's no other way to put it. We even said, you know, what's, what is, you know, we even talked if they cover. Is there a way in which they could be disappointing and cover? Mm-hmm. And we agree that if if what happens is Texas Tech gets out to a, what was it sixteen and a half? Yeah, it was sixteen. I think it might have closed at seventeen and a half, but yeah, but we, by the time we talked about it, we agree that if Texas Tech gets out to a huge lead and KU just covers with a couple touchdowns late against you know the scrub team, then we'll, we're going to be disappointed in that. Well, not mm-hmm. only did they get out to a huge deficit, they still didn't even cover. No, no. And it, like I said, it wasn't close. It was a game that, you know, Texas Tech went down early, scored on you. Your defense showed no, no signs of stopping them. And then the first drive of the game happened. And that was, I think, a microcosm of a lot of frustrations from fans. So just to, to recap what happened on this first drive, um, you get down to their end of the field. You have a third and eight upcoming. You're around the 25-ish yard line. You get a delay of game on third and eight. Very next play on third and 13, you run a running back screen that only gets seven yards. And instead of then saying, hey, we were running a screen to try to, like, I understand the purpose of running a screen if the idea was to cut down on the yardage to again then go for it on fourth down, right? Yeah, if you're because what was it at that point? It was third and thirteen. Third and thirteen goes to fourth and so six. yeah. If, if your mindset yeah. is we have two plays to get then totally get it. yards, then great. But if your idea clearly, was to get a first down on a yeah. halfback screen on third and thirteen, good luck. And where were they at that point on the field? Like, they were around the thirty. Because I, I don't it, have the exact yardage. I, I'd also agree if it if you if you're not necessarily planning on, or I mean, if you are planning on punting, and you run a play like that, but you're down at your own five, and the only you're you're exclusively calling plays. Maybe you luck into a first down, but you're exclusively calling plays to just give your punter more room. Then it's fine too, but in that situation. Yeah. No. You're on the precipice of scoring. You, you are, your, your punter has maxed out their room. There's no chance of your punter had his, having his heels up against the back of the end zone. So if you're planning on punting, then I don't know. Then go, If you're planning on punting, then just go for the first down. And, and the only way I can think of is they, their, their concern was, well, if we try to get, get all 13 here on a more risky play, then we're going to turn it over. But... I, I don't think you can operate for if, if that can't operate that right. way, especially not this year. That's when, like being like, I'm not going to drive into work. I'm worried about getting hit by a car. I mean, yes, yeah. you don't want to get hit by a car, but and then it, it, particularly this year when everybody is giving. I mean, look, Leipold, and and we'll talk about Leipold specifically later. I'm still pretty high on him long term. Oh, I am I too. Think yeah. You are too. But this year is a is a free pass. Mm-hmm. Just see what your team has. Yeah, and that, you know, that's do why we I don't have a play in the playbook that can get us 14 yards, and do we have the personnel to execute that play? That's an opportunity to find that out. So you get seven yards on that play, and instead of viewing it as, "Hey, we got halfway there, let's go for it on fourth down," you kick a field goal with a, a field goal unit that's been shaky this season, hasn't been super consistent, especially on long field goals, and you boot the field goal wide left. And in so many ways, it was a microcosm of some of the 
outbursts we have seen from some of the fan base so far to this point of, wow, how much different is this than years past, right? The delay of game on third and eight to make things way harder on you, not being aggressive enough on fourth down. Though overall, they have been aggressive this year on fourth downs. It still doesn't almost feel like enough sometimes. And especially when you consider you are faced with a defense. I know Andy Coden, like you said, we don't really value this. Like we just, we're just trying to score as many points as possible, right? That's the goal of the offense. How do you not factor in that the defense was giving up over 50 points per game to FBS opponents that on the first drive of the game, Texas Tech went down and cut through your defense like butter and scored an easy touchdown. And you come to the conclusion there of kicking the field goal. Yeah, especially when it, it's a game that you look, I, I'm I'm sorry. I, I think a lot of coaches are realistic and I think they are going to view a game against Oklahoma, like I think their decision making against Oklahoma is going to be a little different than and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm dead wrong, but I think their decision making against somebody like Oklahoma would be different than Texas Tech when you view this, hey, this is a game we can actually win. And maybe their mindset was, hey, this is a game we can actually win, so let's 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 eke out any point that we can. But there's just no evidence even if you make the field goal, there's just no evidence that you're not about to go down 14-3. to three. No, and that's the thing. I, I think what we've learned in that game is that they're not very close to winning. Like, when we had the conversations all of last week, and I'll, I'll take onus on this, of the idea that, well, who's the team KU is most closest to beating in the Big 12? Is it Texas Tech or West Virginia? You know what the answer is? It's nobody. You got out yarded by Texas Tech 438-273. to Right, yeah, you weren't even on in the same stratosphere as a Texas Tech team that you I got. You got beat. You got beat forty-one fourteen. You mm-hmm. were down forty-one nothing. You got beat. But even if we okay, let's say the, those last two scores counted because they happened within the sixty minutes of the game. You got beat forty-one fourteen and won the turnover differential. You won the turnover differential and you still got shelled. Yeah, and it's. It's more so than just that one drive. I just take that one drive as like that is an annoyance for KU fans. You have a three-yard drag route on a third and 12. You have a third and 10 design QB run at another time. Um, the defense, uh, you know, I don't know what to say about the de- Because the defense struggling in that game was to be expected. I expected Texas Tech to score 40-plus points in that game. And actually giving up 41, like, <laughs> it's weird for me to say, like, that was an okay game from the defense, especially considering some of the spots the offense was putting you in. It might actually be okay. And it wasn't surprising that you gave up over 40 in that game, but what was surprising was the offense, was the ineptitude of an offense that faced the Texas Tech defense that gave up 34 points per game coming into that one. And you couldn't do anything in that game until garbage time when Miles Kendrick came in. And I think part of that as well, this is really the first time all season long that there have now been questions at the quarterback position. Which is I, which I I hate because mm-hmm. I I, mean, I don't I don't hate the questions I hate that it that they are, I don't hate the people are questioning the quarterback position because they rightly are questioning the quarterback position I hate that it needs to happen, um because we were so excited, I mean even after losses to Coast, Coastal Carolina and Duke, we're still sitting there going man but you know what this offense keeps improving game by game. And then even given the benefit of the doubt against Iowa State, mm-hmm. you know, weird weird things happened early in that game. It's a great defense. Great defense. The ball fumbles off of Jason Bean's hip. Weird things happen. You know, the stock is very clearly not going anywhere but down for the offense. And that's a, a huge bummer because we, I mean, look, I, I think 2-10, and 10, everyone was going, that's probably our max anyway this year. But I think a lot of people, myself included, were looking at two and ten as a very, very real possibility, and it's just—it seems so I mean, far it, away now. It wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be USA over Russia in 1980 if KU hold, you know, beat somebody. Weird things happen in college sports. A team can really screw up and fumble the ball five. But what times. if they won this week, though? Well, that would be amazing. <laughs> I think they're open to 38 and a half. That dogs. would be. That would be bigger than Iowa State, Oklahoma State in 2011. Yeah, that would because that Iowa State team, I think, might have went six and six, five and seven. But back to the point at hand, the, the 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 more frustrating thing about that to me than anything, this whole game, 
you and I agree it was that the offense we just we you saw moments mm-hmm. even in losses to Coastal Carolina even even in the loss to Duke you saw moments and now we don't even have moments no we, we don't have anything where we're looking at Jason Bean going wow yeah you know there's none of that yeah there there was no glimpses and, and like I said the, it was the first time that it felt like like even in other games where Jason Bean hasn't put up great numbers necessarily or there has been some inconsistencies. It was never to a point where it was like, oh, that was really bad. And that was kind of the case in that game. The interception was really bad. There were, I think, one or two other times where there was just an interception that was to be had by Texas Tech, and they just couldn't hold on to the football. And then you have Miles Kendrick come in, in garbage time albeit, but actually go out there and do well. He throws two touchdown passes in the game. And I hate having to do this. I I said this last week. It was so refreshing that even among everything with the offense— we didn't have to waste time. We didn't have to spend time on the quarterback situation because it was down the list of things, and and we haven't really had that in recent years. It, it, it was at the top of the list of what's going on with the quarterback play, who's going to be the quarterback, should we bench him for this guy, should it be a rotation, like how are we going to do this? That wasn't a question. Even in the, the like I said, quote-unquote poor performances compared to the other ones for being this year, it never got to that. And this feels like it's the first time of that, which – scares me even more because now, like you said, we we didn't see the glimpses of the offense. It wasn't a continued trending up. And I get it. Like, not everything from a progression standpoint is linear. It doesn't always go from C to B to A. Yeah, you can take two steps Mm -hmm. back if you make four steps forward. But this feels like it was an opportunity to take a step forward considering the defense you were going up against, considering they gave up 70 to Texas, considering they gave up over 50 to TCU, considering they've struggled against good running attacks this year. And I think what we found out on Saturday more than anything else is they're just not close to the other Big 12 teams right now. And maybe that's okay, right? As we both said, Lance Leipold still think he's going to get this thing fixed in the long term. But it's very disappointing for this specific season. And I think you're going to start to see that fan apathy. I don't know what Memorial Stadium is going to look like at 11 a.m. this Saturday against Oklahoma. And that's just, I mean, and and that's a shame, you know. I, 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 and look, it's it's possible that that Jason Bean turns out to be, you know, if he stays all three years of his eligibility by the third year, we're all going, wow, you know, look at this kid, because we we have seen at the very least glimpses of athleticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if they're giving him too much. Well, okay, I, I wonder two things. One, if they're just if if. There's, if he's getting too much of the playbook and Miles Kendrick is given a smaller, you know, less meaningful plays, um, so his mistakes aren't aren't as much there. But I also wonder if, when you talk about those plays that you know, just the little shell screen on third down and long. What if the coaching staff has come to realize that yeah, Jason Bean has shown a great level of athleticism, but what if for whatever reason he's not there? when it comes to what they need him to do, like what if they're calling plays that are based on the, his limitations? Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. And and that would get into the conversation of, and I, I honestly, I'll be completely honest. I don't really want to have the quarterback controversy talk and, in terms of, should he get benched or not? Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll talk, we'll hear from uh Leipold's mm-hmm. pro game presser later. He was asked and, and to be clear, the being is the yeah. starter. And I, and honestly, I'm fine with that because here's why. And, and this goes to what you're asking. You are trying to build the future of this program, right? As much as it would be great if KU were competitive in that game, and it would it'd be a lot nicer for us to be able to talk about this, it also, if you're working on year two and year three, Jason Bean, that's when you're looking for him to have the breakout. Miles Kendrick is going to graduate after this year. So there is a real chance what you are saying is a possibility or that there needs to be improvement there. But the leash has to be longer for him, right? Because if you're trying oh, to yeah. build your program, he's going to be the guy in a couple of years. The last thing Bean needs is to be, especially with a guy, with Kendrick, a guy who, like you said, is going to be gone after this year. The last thing Bean needs is to be looking over his shoulder. Now, if if they bring in, um, I know the kid that won the Simone from Ray Peck, mm-hmm. I've heard Conrad practice yeah. has not been um has not been to say it nicely has not been wowing anybody um 
But if they bring in a great, you know, if they, if they recruit over the top of Jason Bean, okay, that's part of that's the nature of the beast, and and that could get him motivated. But as far as this year, um, I think they need to have, and they they have, they need to definitively declare, no, you are you are the starter, um, and just roll with him. And then again, if you have an opportunity to recruit over the top of him, then great, let that battle out in the spring. Yeah, I I think that's where it is. You know, you just at this point, if you're all in on on the future, you gotta build toward that wh- whatever way that can go. So some other notes from that game: um, defense still struggling tackling, can't really stop the run. That makes every third down, third and short, uh, which, which is, is the opposite problem that offense. Yes, having. exactly. Which is exactly how you end up in third down discrepancies. And Texas Tech goes nine of eleven on third down. If it's third and two, it's going to be a lot easier to convert. Still, too many mistakes. The delay of game. You have offsides, multiple on the defense. Uh, you have two guys running the same deep route on one play, which allows two DBs to be over there at the end of the second quarter. Missed blocks by tight ends on screen passes. Uh, turnovers. Throwing the ball away on fourth down. This happened in the third quarter. You threw the ball away on a fourth down. You got to give yourself a chance. Uh, Ku has the worst punting situation. Like. I don't understand why they're averaging like 30 yards per punt. I, I call Baker games on Saturdays, and their punter just like went off. Like, why, why is that happening in Kansas? I, I don't understand. So there's a lot of things that we go back to that first drive and all those other things that I'm sure are irking a lot of people watching this team, and I can't blame you for it. And I can't blame you for it if you have apathy. I can't blame you for it if you're ready to move on to basketball. We're kind of going to do that, too. I mean, we're still going to talk about football. It's still going on. It's still important. And and to that nature, we are going to talk about it. But certainly there is going to be more time here devoted to basketball. And you hope that the football can figure it out, even though in the long term, I do believe it will. It's just this year's not the year. All right. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. The AP poll out in college basketball. We'll get to that later on in the show. Kansas in at number three. The Kansas City Chiefs bouncing back yesterday, 31-13. to It was a bit of a slow start. Well, not exactly. It was a hot start, then a really bad stretch, and then a great second half for the Chiefs. And there were a couple notable changes before the game. Juan Thornhill ended up starting over Daniel Sorensen. Sorensen played a lot less. He still did play, which I don't think that's the issue. It's like we talked about. If he's your backup safety, if he's rotating in, that's fine. Juan Thornhill started, and and I don't know how much of a correlation there is between that and the Chiefs' best defensive performance. Chris Jones is obviously out. Some of it obviously has to do with Washington. They're not a great offensive team, though. Coming into that game, they were 12th in points per game, so it's not like this was the worst offense in the NFL, and then Mike Remmers was the other big one at right tackle. Yeah, um, I think there was a lot of fans. I'm one of them that, uh, you know, we, we talked about, um, you know, Mahomes getting the benefit of the doubt on some of these picks, and the pick six I, I talked about was more on Tyreek, but he had probably the worst interception he's ever thrown. And, yeah. And, and even if it wasn't picked, even if that guy had dropped the ball, it would have been probably the worst pass yes. Patrick Mahomes has thrown as a chief. It was awful. And I think there's something to be said about um, him pressing. He's admitted that he's been pressing, uh, but you're you're that was it, was it was it ten to seven or thirteen to ten at that point? It was thirteen to ten. The Chiefs were going. The in. Chiefs were driving, so it looked for the world like the Chiefs were at the very least going to get themselves a field goal to go into halftime. So you're sitting there, you're down, and hoping to go up 17-13, but maybe having to settle for a field goal. Yeah, but then you could double dip with getting the ball in the second half. Against a bad team, but at the very least, you're you're losing to a team that that you thought, particularly from their defense, you thought, okay, at the very least, we're going to be able to get the kinks worked out offensively against Mm -hmm. against this team. And Patrick Mahomes, all I can think is he just made a, a he just made a play where he he's trying to score, you know, fourteen points on one drive. That's it, that's what that looked like to me. It was awful. And and there was a lot of, are you kidding me? Is this kid yeah. actually doing this? Um, that felt then, like a Brett Favre game, didn't it? Between that and then some of the incredible plays he had in the yeah, second but, half. Yeah, and then in the, but then in the second half, it was you know he seemed more within his own element. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he did have an incredible the 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 
play that was Throw called across the body. Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 yeah, the one that was called back, but it was still an amazing play. Yeah, the little um, shovel pass to Kelsey running opposite directions. Yeah, like he really is, um, you know, and so I, I wonder, you know, I, I think a lot of people like to picture when a team is playing poorly in the first half, uh, they like to just picture coach screaming and throwing over tables at halftime. <laughs> I don't know if that happened so much mm. as if somebody just got to Patrick calm and said, down. dude, chill. Yeah. You're still the best quarterback in the league. Stay within yourself. And whatever happened at halftime, whether Mahomes calmed down, whether that play made him calm down, whether he looked at that play and went, God, that was dumb. I'm pressing too much. And he, he himself you know, talked himself into calming down. Whatever it was, um, they outscored Washington twenty-one to nothing in the second half. They basically in the second half did what you expect the Chiefs to do to a bad team. So, what do you put more weight in? Is it the is it the defense putting up the zero in the second half, giving up thirteen, or is it the idea that that game was probably as much proof as ever that there's not really anything wrong with the offense? It's just themselves killing themselves. I'll put more weight. I think there's there's more truth to the offense um, because 21 points is hard to get in a half no matter who you're playing, I guess, unless you're playing the Chiefs defense. But um, I think there's more truth to the to the, the offense, and maybe I just feel that way because there's more, you know, we've just seen a bigger sample size of this offense playing really well. And I'm also leading that direction, I'll admit, uh, because I'm hoping that's the case because I think this offense is far more important to this team than this defense because I think the most we can hope out of this defense is it jumps from 32nd to like 30th. <laughs> um, so we're still, to win a Super Bowl, we're still mm. going to need the offense to play really well. But I think it, it le- the truth, I think, is much more lies with this offense is basically unstoppable when they're not shooting themselves in the foot. Um, more so than this defense has, you know, clicked and found what it takes. Yeah, I, I think... That's definitely more important. Um, the game, like I said, it was the first half was a continuation of everything that has plagued the team this season. Uh, less so on defense, because defense actually played well in the first half until the one play where Ricky Seals-Jones, a, a guy who couldn't even get on the field for the Chiefs, just got right behind Ben Neiman. Nobody covered him, and he, he just got wide open for a touchdown, which that was everything Chiefs in one play. Outside of that, though, they played pretty well in the first half, but then you had that play, you had the two interceptions, one that was... the Bad throw by Mahomes, him pressing too much. The other, that was again a drop, somebody else messing up, Tyreek Hill unable to hold on to it, and it's an interception in the red zone. And it was everything that had been causing the Chiefs to this point. But the second half, that's that's the team we're expecting. And, you know, I don't know how sustainable what the defense did was, but it was nice to see, right? You'd rather have that than the alternative, which is us coming away the same way the Eagles game, where it was... yeah. It was nice to see them win. It was nice to see them win by double digits. They covered the spread. I think coming into that game, the Chiefs are three and thirteen against the spread their last sixteen games, and they were one and four this year. They still hadn't won. Well, did they beat the Eagles by ten? Yeah, or by, by 12, eight or nine? By, by twelve. 12. Okay. So they ended up. So that was their first win by multiple scores in like in, eleven or twelve regular in, season. In the games. regular season, yeah, yeah. The last time they, not counting the AFC mm-hmm. title, the last time they'd won was by more than one score was forever ago. I think it was the Jets game last year. That shows you how long it was till that happened. But you got that done. And beating any NFL team by multiple scores, that's a success. I don't care who you are. Like, I said that about the Bengals yesterday. You know, they won't get a lot of credit for beating the Lions, but they beat them by 23 points. Yeah. That has to count in in professional football. So the fact that you did that to Washington, it's not going to answer all the questions like, next week's game against the Titans will answer more questions because we know that is a top-10 offense, right? So, if the defense goes out and you only give up 17 in that game, then we can start having the conversation of, okay, are they figuring it out defensively? But it's better that you don't have more questions now than you did coming into the week. Offensively, like you said, if you're not shooting yourself in the foot, this is the best offense in the NFL. Are you worried at all, though, with how much is being asked of Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey, both of them get banged up in that game. Travis Kelsey gets injured like three different times in that game. Hurts his hand, hurts his leg, hurts his like forearm area. Tyreek Hill goes out for a brief moment with, I think, a quad injury, comes back in and then dominates after. Are you worried at all by the injuries? 
Yes, um, I do think it's worth noting. I don't know if this was out of trying to calm his team down. I'm sure there's truth to it, but I, I also think a lot of it is trying to calm his team down. Andy Reid seemed pretty adamant that they have every intention of getting Josh Gordon more involved. That was weird, by the way. He felt less involved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he, I think it was today. I don't think it was post game, so it must have been his his meeting with the media today. Um, that he seems pretty adamant they're going to get or they're going to try to get Josh Gordon more involved. They have to. I mean, look, I I just I am done having the. I'm almost. I'm I'm basically done criticizing Mecole Harbin. Because we know what Miko Hardman is now, it's on the coaches, mm. and, and yeah, he to, had the to, bad fumble. Yeah, it's on it's on the coaches to accept what he is and figure something out, and it's on Brett Veach in the long run. Is and Mik- now, wait, I just thought of something. Is Miko Hardman the Daniel Sorensen of the offense? Uh, I think, <laughs> like, if he was on a minimum deal as yeah. a rotation player, yeah. you'd be fine with it. If but the was, fact that you use the second-round pick on him or that you're asking him to be yeah. a receiver, too, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I, yeah. there's a lot to that. If he was Byron Pringle yeah. instead of— You know, you're an undrafted free agent yeah. on a minimum deal. Um, I uh, Yeah, I think there's something to be said about that. But I think, you know, when you're the Chiefs, you just have to— And, and look, to Veach's credit, at least in, in the, at the moment, he is doing something. He brought in Josh Gordon, so they're not completely ignoring it. Um. I think what what bothers me the most about Tyreek Hill um, being hurt or potentially hurt is the way I thought the best way to get him back in action uh, is hindered when he's not at his quickest and not not just his his breakaway speed but his his cut ability um, and because I think the best way when when you've got to cover two and and. Not all cover twos are the same. It's not, you know, I know a lot of people saying, how come they haven't figured out the cover two yet? It's not like it's the same cover two that Tony Dungy was running in 2001. It's evolved, and defensive coordinators are smart. But I do think there's something to be said about when they're giving you dink and dunk, you use Tyreek Hill. Remember the first touchdown that Patrick Mahomes threw? It was to Tyreek Hill against the Chargers, and it was a crossing pattern, and you saw two things at once that made you go, whoa. How fast that ball came out of Patrick Mahomes' hands and how fast um, Tyreek Hill cut up the field. Mm -hmm. It was just a very basic crossing pattern. Boom, right to him. He's got the ball, and then he just burns everybody. And I think when you've got a a speedster like Tyreek Hill, you can use patterns that are typically meant to net you seven yards. And if they get you seven yards, awesome. If you get seven yards to play, you're winning the game. More like you know, probably you're scoring every time. That's yeah. for sure. But anyway, if if the you know you can design route patterns for him and route combinations for him that net you you know maybe seven yards, but he's got the escapability factor that can easily turn it into a touchdown or a fifteen or twenty yard breakaway, and that's I think the kind of routes they need to really run to get Tyreek Hill the most involved. Um, and if if he's limited, that takes that away. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, and I just worry what the offense would look like if either of them were out, right? Because if one of them's even out, you, the, the other team's just doubling the other one. Well, yeah, and it's getting to the point now where they're almost like, let's actually put our best defender. Mm-hmm. Let's put defender number one on Travis Kelsey. Let's put defenders two and three doubling Tyreek. Um, so really, they're you know, they're they're doing all they can to take him out now. And if they're literally out because of injury, the I mean I don't know the options just get so so limited. Yeah, so three and three now on the year. You play the Titans next week. I, I was thinking about this. Do you put any stock into the fact that the Chiefs haven't beaten a team who has a record above five hundred right now? Oh yeah, um, I feel better about it mm-hmm. when you figure. I still except, think the Browns for the are Browns a solid game. Yeah. team, but they're three and three, and they just got pasted by the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, now they they this is I think a worse Browns team than the Chiefs played. Yeah. Um, at the start of the year, Baker Mayfield's more injured. Baker Mayfield yeah. is you know missing. Nick Chubb was out in that everything. game. Kareem yeah. Hunt got hurt. Baker Mayfield is he's coming in to look like that um, that Mustafa guy in the Austin Powers movie that Doctor Evil keeps trying to kill but can't kill. Like he burns him alive and he won't die, and he breaks both legs and he won't die, and he gets shot and he won't die. So credit to Mayfield for continually getting back up, but he's a corpse of a person right now. Um, and uh, 
so I do think that the the Browns team that got smoked yesterday is is a worse team than than the one that the Chiefs beat. But um, I I do think there's something to be said, except for the Browns. It's good that these that the Chiefs are beating them handily. Mm-hmm. It was forty two thirty one forty two thirty against the Eagles. But it was it was forty two twenty three twenty three late. Um, so the hand at no point the, the Eagles game was never in question. You know, by the fourth quarter, basically, it was never in question. Um, same thing with you know the, the Washington game; it was never in question by about you know probably by the fourth quarter. Um, so I think that's good. I'd be a lot more worried if they were three and three against these same teams, and those wins had been like you know twenty one seventeen forty five forty two. If it was something like that, um, so I, I I feel good that they're that they're handily beating them. But yeah, you can't ignore the fact that they haven't beaten a, a five hundred or a better than five hundred team yet. Well, and it's funny too because I mentioned the Titans game like that'll be a good opportunity, a good measuring stick for the defense, and I I I think that's true. But as far as this discussion, the overall team, uh, Titans are underdogs to the Bills tonight. Titans are 3-2. and two. So if the Titans lose to the Bills tonight and then the Chiefs were to win next week in Tennessee, even though you would come away saying, oh, well, that's cool. We beat a, a team who's made the playoffs the last, whatever, two, three years. Titans at that point would be 3-4. and four. So this conversation yeah. would still become true. And then you play the Giants after that, who are a one-win football team. You might not really get another good gauge on this team until the game against the Packers in three weeks. I think it's the, the Titans game is an opportunity for the Chiefs to show that they are much more an AFC title contender than just an AFC playoff contender. Because that's because, what the Titans are. Exactly. Yeah. The Titans are probably a 9-8, and 10-7 and seven type team that's going to get, um, I'm trying to think of that division. Who, I mean, the gonna, Colts who, who's are 2-4, the Texans are terrible, the Jaguars yeah, are so terrible. Yeah, so the 9-8 the, the could very well win yes. you that division. But, the, you know, so... But that's not a Super Bowl contender. This is a, this is a chance for the Chiefs to separate themselves from being a playoff contender to an actual contender once again for the AFC Championship. If they come away from this game um, with a with a handy win, I would be much more apt to say, "Okay, fine. They still don't have a win against a winning a, a win over a team with a 500 record or above 500 record." Um, however. They just beat what we think is the is the playoff team. What we think is the best team in the AFC South. I, as I mean, as the Titans go on, they're only going to play more AFC South games, which is going to pad their record. Yeah. Um, so if, if they if they beat Tennessee, put it this way: What's Washington three and three, two and four, two and four? Mm-hmm. I'll I'll feel better now. You know, I'll, I'll feel better after a Titans win, a, a three and four Titans win, than I am after a two and four. Washington win, particularly if it's a similar type game. If it's 35-24. The difference is if the game is 38-35 to and you had to get a last-minute touchdown to win, probably feel a little worse than this one. I'm feeling fine about the offense still, but I'm back thinking the defense. But I think you're also at a point now with this team because you're just 3-3. and Any win, you'll take it, and then you'll worry about fixing the rest later. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Coming up next, we're going to hear from what Lance Leipold had to say in the postgame after KU's loss to Texas Tech. About half past four, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up. We'll have our NFL Monday overreactions. We'll also get to the preseason AP poll out for college basketball at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Some more Chiefs and KU football talk as well in the 5 o'clock hour. Um, this probably could have been included in the case of the Mondays, but I, I just thought it was so fascinating that I wanted its own standalone segment for it. Uh, did you see the end of the Tennessee Ole Miss game? Yes. I. Uh, Boy, did it take a lot of time. Yes. I was happy that I was able to because I, I didn't think I would. So I went, uh, give a little, I'm going to give a, mm-hmm. I don't know if they advertise with us, but I'm going to give a shout out to a local Lawrence business. They were I went, actually on, I know where you're going with this. They were actually on with uh, Chamber Chat this morning okay. on KLW. I went uh, Saturday night to check out the new uh, haunted house, the Stole themed haunted house, um, which, hey, don't break into the Stole Cemetery. Yeah. Go to the haunted house. It's, <laughs> it's much safer. It's more fun. Won't get arrested um, exactly. or trapped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I Now, we did not. The, the 
uh, old Masonic Temple is where the theater is. We did not check that out. We just checked out the haunted house. It's a really, really cool setup. Um, every, you know, it's a maze, but then every now and then the maze opens up into a room and each room has its own spooky theme. Like there's one that's a butcher shop. There's one that's a classroom full of, um, dead students and skeletons. It's just a fun, um, I don't know. It's, it's a very if you like if you like that sort of stuff. If you don't like haunted houses, I don't recommend it. But <laughs> absolutely fun. There, there. It's a local business. There, and and they, you know, it was perfect weather to do it. Uh, but point being, I didn't think I would be able to watch it. I figured the only game of note that I would have time to watch by the time I got home would have been Utah and Arizona mm-hmm. State. But because of the event that we're about to discuss, uh, Tennessee and Ole Miss had not yet ended. Yes, this game took, I don't know, five hours maybe. It was incredible. The game already took so long because both teams passed so much. And then this happened. So Ole Miss was up 31-26, to and Tennessee had the ball. They got it with three, four minutes left in the game. They're driving, and they're trying to go down and score. They had three timeouts left and, and trying to take the lead. So what happens is they get stuck on a fourth and 17. And the prelude to this fourth and 17 is Tennessee runs – maybe the fastest-paced offense in the country with Josh Heupel. They get up and down. Ole Miss runs a no-huddle, too. But Tennessee's is, like, elite, elite fast. And I I don't know. I, I wasn't watching the full game, like, full attention. I had kind of had it, like, split-screened where I was watching other games, and I had just gotten back from broadcasting a Baker football game. So I hadn't seen the full game. So I, I want to make this clear. But of the last, I watched two straight Tennessee drives before that drive, and it felt like every two, three, four plays, Ole Miss would have a player go down with injury, whether the player's actually injured or the old tried-and-true, you know, started fake an injury. Started against yeah, Chip Kelly's offense. Correct, to try to slow things down and get... And on this drive, it was happening every other play on this last drive of the game. So, pretty clearly, this was occurring... And you can have your own thoughts on this, whether it's Bush League or the unwritten rules, or I guess it's not in the rule book. How do you know if a player's not injured? I don't know. So backstory on this, by the way, for those of you who don't know, Lane mm-hmm. Kiffin coached at Tennessee. So the Vols fans are already angry. Yeah, that too. And they're getting more and more annoyed with every single player that goes down with Correct. either a real or a fake cramp. Yes, and so they're starting to boost. So now it gets to a point where it's 4th and seventeen. And Tennessee completes a pass on 4th and 17 over the middle of the field. The I think it was to the tight end. The tight end catches it and falls down. And it looks awfully close to getting the first down. I don't know if he got it. I leaned on the side of that. He, I thought he did in real time, but it was really hard to overturn. The weird part about it was that they marked it like a full yard short. And you would have thought if he was short, it was short by inches and it should have taken like a measurement. He was like a yard short. On where they measured it. So, it was weird. I, again, I don't know. It was very close. He still might not have gotten it, but it, it was weird how far off they got. So, because of that, because on how unhappy they were, uh, booze come raining down. And because you have the vitriol And of, they did review, didn't they? Yes, they reviewed it, and they just couldn't change it because you couldn't really see the ball. It was like in the the stomach of the player. So, because you have... Start, and then it started raining. Yes. But, but not traditional rain. No. So, you have the vitriol of the fans against the refs the vitriol of the fans against Lane Kiffin, the vitriol of the fans against Ole Miss for both winning the game and the injury, faking injury maybe thing. Um, So you start getting people throwing everything on the field. And we've seen it before where people throw, you know, water bottles and beer cans. This was BYU is good for that that. once a year, by the way. Oh, 100%, if not more. BYU at least once a year you can bank on. Although they're not beer cans. No, no, no. But BYU fans... More more men's basketball than football, but BYU basketball fans, you can bank on them trashing their own court because they're angry at least yes, once a year. Yes, Um So this is what happened to Tennessee. They're they're throwing everything on the field, and you know, I I I don't feel like I should even have to say this. Like obviously, because I saw somebody tweet out like, um, you have everybody saying like. We don't condone this. This is awful. And, and somebody tweeted out, and they were just like, "Man, I can't wait for the time that people are throwing stuff on the field." And the announcers like, "This is awesome." You know, well, the closest thing you ever saw was Billy Tubbs, <laughs> which I at Oklahoma. And after he passed mm-hmm. away, uh, people love telling this story. People now, this wasn't all the fans at OU. This was just a couple people had chucked some things, and Billy Tubbs said something to the effect over the over the the MC microphone. 
Um, it doesn't matter how bad the referees are. You can't throw trash onto the court or something along those lines. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, uh, so they throw stuff on the field. But what made this a unique story, because, again, you shouldn't do that and you're an idiot if you do, is that I can't help but laugh seeing some of the things that were thrown on the field. Not the idea that they were thrown on the field and that they could have injured somebody. But why was this in a in yes. on a per, on someone's person? So some in of the, the things thrown on the field. The the big one was there was on camera. Lane Kiffin got hit with a golf ball. And it looked like a driving range ball. It wasn't even like a regular yeah. golf ball. Which why why do you have but a golf? You ball don't on? know. I'm going to stop you there, Dan. Mm-hmm. You don't bring. I want to go through some Tennessee fan forums. Because you don't bring a golf ball into a football stadium <laughs> no. with any other intention than chucking <laughs> it onto the point. field. That's a good point. There's no other reason right? to bring that in. You think you're going to get on like the, the halftime show and you're going to get to chip a nine yeah. iron in between the goalposts or something? There's no other reason to bring a... The only reason a person brings a golf ball into a football stadium is because they're planning on throwing it onto the field. That's a very good point. So that one was one. And then after the game, Lane Kiffin like showed it off and everything. Um, the other ones, there were vape pens that were thrown on the field. Oh, which, I didn't see those. I don't know what you're doing there. I, I don't know. I've never like bought a vape pen, but that's got to be, what, 10, 15 bucks? That no seems like idea. a waste, right? I have no idea. I don't but know. I know that, yeah, they're not, they're not cheap and... Um, I don't, you know, why would you throw that away? Because you look so cool using it. <laughs> but the best, could you imagine, by the way, if like a player picked up the vape pen and just started, started like ripping yeah. heaters? Um, the best in my eyes, and, and let me know if you, you agree or disagree, there was a mustard bottle. That's another one that I, I don't know. I mean, I, I what are you doing with a mustard look, bottle? Here's the thing. It's not like you're sneaking food in. The, the condiments in those stadiums are free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's not like you're sneaking food in to save money mm-hmm. because they don't, at least I don't, I've never been to a game in Knoxville. Maybe they do charge for condiments there. But so far as I know, if you buy a hot dog, <laughs> it's you, free. It's, the, the condiments are free. So they're not sneaking their own no. hot dogs in. They're sneaking their own mustard in. Yeah. Which leads which to Which I just love the idea that somebody of, is like, is sitting in the stands, has a hot dog, and they go, oh, shoot, I forgot to get my ketchup and mustard. But I don't want to walk all the yeah. way back. And a guy just goes, hey, oh, I brought it just for that reason. <laughs> like, unbelievable. That'd make a great commercial. And then, like, at the end, they're shaking hands and, like, smiling and look at the camera and, like, French is mustard. <laughs> Making friends amongst angry hillbillies. Yeah, maybe that's it. You know, I remember uh, Malik Newman. Wasn't there something with mustard with Malik Newman? Didn't he, like, Take that's what it was. Malik Newman, like, was cramping up. This was in high school. I want to say. Oh yeah. And he he asked for like mustard to be squirted into his mouth because it helped with the cramps. Yeah. So I could understand like maybe you know you take a mustard bottle to the KU basketball game and it's just like a funny prop, right? Because you have the story there. But what is this guy doing? I don't know. Anyway, I have, I have that another was theory on, the on that. The mustard bottle. I I don't quite. I'm not as positive. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that the person who brought in that golf ball was planning on throwing it on the field. There's, I'm positive. Yeah, that. you have to. That's the only reason you bring that in. I'm less sure about that being the case with the mustard bottle. That's a possibility. I also wonder if it was a clever booze container. <laughs> that, But then why would you throw it? Because you probably paid Maybe a little well, good amount of money for that. It, it, because you probably... You didn't have anything else yeah, to throw? You, you, no, you had used up its contents. Mm. You drank all the booze. It would be refillable. That's fair. But, you you know, I, I think their thought is I can get another mustard bottle to put more booze in. The booze is dry. I'm chucking the bottle. Maybe the person was just like, they knew what was going to happen, and they just thought. Which brings me back to somebody needs to explore Tennessee fan forums to yeah, see if this was if this like an organized, a, an organized thing. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm going to start doing. Every time I go to, like, a Chiefs game from now on, I'm going to start bringing the most obscure item with me. I don't know that anything's going to happen, but just in the rare case that... Just so somebody can go white. Yeah, right? Like, uh, I remember, was it the Bills? There was some paraphernalia. I don't think I can say what it is on air. Um, Was thrown on the field. Like some... Yeah, it was some... um, But, like, what would be the weirdest thing you could throw on the field that wouldn't be, like, weird in, like, a... The paraphernalia, you're talking about... Items that you can buy at a certain <laughs> store on Twenty Third Street, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But I mean, what like, I like what would be what would be like a weird thing to bring that people would be like, "What on earth?" Like, imagine if you brought like a plastic bag with like homemade like checks mix in it. 
You just threw that on the field. Shut, yeah. Um, Which, again, don't throw stuff on yeah, the field. Yeah, don't throw on yeah. the field, but I, I guess if, you know. Um, I keep looking. We've got uh, we've got tape here in the studio, and mm-hmm. I keep thinking how funny it would be if you just a roll of scotch tape was just on the field. <laughs> you know, I I like the idea of finding of of things that you should never like throw a stapler. Yeah, on the exactly. Field. Like why why does he have a stapler? Like, oh man, trash, 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 <laughs> trash. I don't like know. an Xbox controller. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. yeah, something really yeah. weird. Okay, I think we've we've uncovered it. But then after the game, that was like a thirty minute delay, and then um, and then Tennessee still had three timeouts. Tennessee got the used ball their back. three timeouts. Got Tennessee the ball back. finished the game, chucking the ball yeah. into the end zone. They and had a then, chance at this thing. Well, before that happened, they got to there was eighteen seconds left. They got a first down. Their quarterback got injured. They didn't do a ten second runoff when they should have. I don't know what what happened there. Um, and then they brought in the backup quarterback. And he, he ran one play, they got the first down. And then on the last play of the game, the backup Tennessee quarterback, they're at like the 25-yard line, and, and yeah, instead of throwing the ball into the end zone, he scrambles and runs out of bounds at the 10-yard line with that time That was really weird. Out. Yeah, that, that was... I just kind of chalked that up to being him being a, a young backup because, well, you, I mean... You have a better chance of just chucking it 50 feet in the air and one of your receivers suddenly being able to jump that By the way, I want to see that happen. Then, like, instead of a Hail Mary, which is just a normal throw and it's a jump ball, I, somebody throws it like 500 I just thought of just, the be- I just thought of the perfect thing to throw onto the field. Okay. By the way, don't, don't throw things <laughs> onto the field. Just hypothetically. But I've always found it hilarious. I don't know if they still do, but for the longest time, the Royals, you could bring food into the stadium. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it would be hilarious to bring in like a lasagna, and just be <laughs> just sitting there, plate of lasagna. And, yeah, and just be sitting oh. there eating with my fork and my knife, a lasagna or a pot roaster or some or something, just right there oh. at um, at the K. So oh, I love that, you know, or like an apple pie or something. Yeah, and oh, so you know, fantastic. but you just chuck like half of a lasagna down on the field. What on earth is this? <laughs> I love that. All right, we got to the bottom of it. We figured it out. Uh, that is your Tennessee Ole Miss crazy SEC game of the weekend recap with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLW NFL Monday Overreactions next. It's a Monday. NFL games happened yesterday. We're going to overreact to what we saw. If things that, uh, I don't know, probably... Maybe not true, overemphasized, but hey, they might end up being true if yesterday is the be-all, end-all. With Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. All right, I'm going to go. I'll say this. i got to give myself credit. I was dead on with my John Gruden. I know. You announced that literally on Monday, and was it later Monday night that he got fired? Yeah. You said he uh, was never going to win another game as as an NFL head coach. And you were exactly right. So not even an overreaction, just a perfect prediction from Adam Dravetta. So maybe... uh, Listen in to what he has to say and put some uh, money on it. All right, my first one. The Dolphins are the worst team in the AFC. And there are several teams in the running for this. Um, You have the Jaguars, but they just beat the Dolphins. The Houston Texans are not very good either. Which, to be fair, that wasn't a home game for Jacksonville. It was a future home game. Yeah, very true. Uh, New York Jets are very bad as well. I think the Dolphins are the worst team. You just lost to the Jaguars, who maybe before that game were the worst team in the AFC. And you even had Tua back for this game. Like, statistically, Tua didn't have that bad of a game either. This team's just really bad. Uh, The offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL. The quarterback situation is we're still unsettled whether Tua is going to be good or not. The skill position players like Jalen Waddle's good, but the rest, there's kind of question marks. I guess Mike Kosicki's a, a good pass-catching tight end. And then the defense, which was the calling card over the last couple of years, has kind of fallen apart. Brian Flores, who was getting all this talk of, like, coach of the year when they went, like, 5-11, and 11, and then they almost go to the playoffs last year. Now, I don't know what to think of this team. I think the Dolphins might be the worst team in the AFC. Kind of chaps my ass that Josh Allen has emerged as the best quarterback, and he's getting the same division treatment that Tom Brady got just the garbage AFC East that he gets to just run rough shot whereas the AFC West it's like oh well here you go Justin Herbert's turning into a top five the quarterback. Packer or the Broncos are going to get Aaron Rodgers yeah. next year Joe Brady is going to be their head coach yeah and gonna, he's going <laughs> to throw for 6,000 yards so that's what we get um 
my overreaction is going to be an immediate disagreement with you because I am de- am declaring that the Texans this version this year's version of the Texans are worse than either the 0 and 16 Lions or the 0 and 16 <laughs> Browns. They're awful. They're getting their they're ass getting kicked. rolled. Um, they are getting every week they're an NFL team, Derek, and every week they're getting treated like an FCS team that gets $500,000 to get smoked by Alabama. Do you put any credence into the fact that they smoked Jacksonville week one? That's a good question. I don't know. Do we just throw that away? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Do I mean? Did you see what they're they're seventeen I mean, point underdogs this week against so Arizona? So bad, man. They keep. It's so rare to have a seventeen a point spread in the NFL. I mean, they keep losing again and again. And that's the thing. By a lot, seventeen point underdogs to Arizona. I sat there and looked at, and most often in the NFL, I'd say, man, that's so tough for an NFL team to cover that. I looked at that number and said, Arizona's going to win by twenty to thirty points. I mean, I, I how do you not? I mean, I. Like, how would know. you feel comfortable taking Houston plus 17? Yeah, that's a game. They've that, scored, what, three points in the last two road games? They're so bad. I think it was, what was it yesterday? Was it the Colts that got them? But I, I don't think I'd go as far to say they are the worst team since, or like they are worse than though, because Patri- they almost beat the Patriots. And maybe this speaks more to the Patriots are kind of <laughs> worse than we think. Um, I don't know. May- maybe not. Maybe. Maybe they'll peel off a few and they'll finish five and twelve, and I'll feel like an idiot. But hey, that's the point of overreaction Monday. Yeah, exactly. No, let's overreact. Uh, I'll, how about this one? A bird team will win the Super Bowl. Now this doesn't really help me with the Falcons or the Eagles. You know. So you are predicting the Anaheim Ducks? Yes, to the Anaheim win Ducks the Super Bowl. No, I will say a bird that can fly will win the Super Bowl. The Pittsburgh Penguins going <laughs> cannot to win fly. the Super Bowl. Um. No, penguins can't fly. Okay, we're good there. Uh, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Is that what is a Chanticleer? I think a it's like a type of a rooster, so also can't. Okay, can't okay, fly. so we're still covered there. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the Arizona Cardinals are the two teams there. If you gave me them or the field, well, I'm talking myself out of this because the NFL. There's well, so but many it's, good it's teams. overreaction. Okay, overreaction. Yeah, yeah, they will win it. One of those two teams. Cardinals are the only undefeated team left. They just blew out the Browns. They just continue to impress. I mean, every challenge they knock it down. They did it without Cliff Kingsbury. And then Baltimore, one of the most impressive wins of the season when you combine opponent and how they beat them. They dominated the Chargers. Who I kind of was viewing it as the Bills and the Chargers were tier one in the AFC coming into that game. Think it's the Bills and the Ravens now as tier one in the AFC. And it's hard for me to overlook what the Ravens did. It's hard for me to overlook the way that Lamar Jackson has improved so much as a passer this year, that they're winning games when they're having to come from behind. Now they're blowing out good teams. The defense, that was their best game of the year from the defense. I really like this Ravens team. So, yeah, a bird team is going to win the Super Bowl. Cardinals, or, uh, Broncos, and Raiders, and Chargers, I'll put them in that group. Those four teams kind of were four teams that started hot, but a lot of people were going, eh, I don't know if they can sustain it. Um, the the Cardinals and the Chargers have clearly separated themselves from those other two teams. You can tell right now which two of those teams were for real and which two were for, for were, were frauds. Um, and, yeah, the Cardinals, I, I, there's no more question to them. They're, they're part of the, of the NFL furniture now. Um, eight and nine is going to win the AFC South. Mm. Uh, we talked about that during the Chiefs segment with the Titans coming up. Um, I think the Titans look to be anywhere from an eight and nine to ten and seven team. I do think the only way that doesn't come true is if whoever emerges to win the AFC South is just given four wins because they get to play um, Jacksonville. That's the and issue Houston. there. Um. But I, I, I still, I'm, I'm going eight and nine wins the AFC South is, is my second overreaction. So that's definitely possible. I don't think it'll happen because, like you said, you're going to get to feast on some really weak teams. But I don't know if the Titans lose this week to the Bills on Monday night tonight, and then they lose to the Chiefs. Now you're sitting at three and four. So even if you get those four wins, and what, what are the, I don't know what, who else what they are the char- or what are the Colts two and four? Colts are two and four. So you could have you could have beat the, up on each other. The two the two leaders of the division could be three and four after seven games. Yeah, 
Could be. Yeah. So, I don't think that's that crazy. I just... What's the worst team we've seen in the playoffs? Did we ever see a 6-10? and 10? I know we saw 7-9. and nine. No, I just remember the the one that always comes to mind is the, the Beast Quake 7-9 and nine Seahawks that beat the Saints. I think there was another... Uh, oh, Washington last year squeaked in I at 7-9. Okay, they were 7-9. and nine. I know I thought, the Panthers did it with Ron Rivera as well. Um, but that was either 7-9 and nine or 6-10. and 10. I cannot remember. 8-9 just bad. sounds so weird. It does. But, yeah, you could be right. That could be the winner there. Okay, how about this one? Going back to your John Gruden one. The Raiders are better without John Gruden. I mean, they just it's beat hard, up on the Broncos on the road. Hard to argue against that. <laughs> I mean, again, low bar to clear. But yeah. I, I think. I mean, all right, how about this? I'll take it a step further. Okay, let me. Let the me, Raiders are better without having a head coach. Just get rid of the right, head coach. All right, all right. Yeah, that, okay. Okay. Um, I'll say this. I mean, it. You know, a, a, a locker Derek room. Carr call the plays. A locker room full of African American players and the only or the first openly gay player mm-hmm. in NFL history is better without their coach that says racist and homophobic <laughs> things. Shocking, yeah, that's fair. Right? Yeah. Um, better just yeah, just let uh, just let like in Varsity Blues when they finally kick out their their awful uh, John Voight, their terrible mean coach mm-hmm. and. The players take it over. Yeah, let it happen. Okay. So we need a player coach, which, like I said, Derek Carr, I guess. Just call the plays. Um, the Bears are in cahoots with Aaron Rodgers. Mm. I want to take any opportunity I can to say the word cahoots. <laughs> um, the Bears are somehow in cahoots with Aaron Rodgers to keep making him look good. That's the only explanation for how often they get murdered by him. So do you think they're trying to do that so that it secures a trade that another team would be like, because if he if he had a down so year like this it, year, to get him out of the division. Yeah, if he has a no, down I year this year, maybe back, somebody doesn't trade. Him. I think it dates back long before mm-hmm. the. Uh, I think it dates back long before the the story. What's the end of, game of, here? It's a good question, man. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Lo- there's Lo- a sleeper cell from the Packers inside the Bears organization. That's, that's very possible. Ooh, okay, I found I found the angle. Uh, Matt Nagy knows that his time in Chicago is done, and he wants to be Aaron Rodgers' next OC. Yes. Okay. Correct. So he a but even that that wouldn't explain how awful the Bears have been against Aaron Rodgers the rest of his career. No, hmm. I mean, it's you know he's got deep pockets. Who's who's the owner of the Bears now? Is it Virginia Hallis or did she Aaron Rodgers? She kick the owner of the Bears. (laughs) There you go. Okay. Um, Uh, I do not know. Okay, Um, Virginia Hallis has a crush on Aaron Rodgers. All right. Let's go with that. Okay. Uh, my last one. Joe Burrow is a top five quarterback in the AFC. Now, obviously, you have the big four, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Herbie fully loaded, Justin Herbert. Um, in discussion for that number five spot would be among these guys. Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, uh, whatever rookie QB you want. I don't think I forgot anybody. I think Joe Burrow is the best of that bunch. And it might be a stretch over a guy like Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill. Like his efficiency numbers are insane, but I think Joe Burrow, top five quarterback in the AFC. Yeah, that's not that's not too crazy. Um, I I don't know. He's he's playing really well. I think we all kind of agree that he he would have been good last year or or better than he showed out last year if he if he had the chance to play the whole year. Uh, the big talk all year was can Cincinnati fix that that line around him? So I, yeah, I don't think that's that's a terrible stretch. Um, something that uh, right now is not a stretch at all, but is, would be something that uh, August Adam never would have believed. Cliff Kingsbury is going to win an NFL playoff game mm. as a head coach. Does it do anything for you that? And, and this doesn't change that because he would still be the coach when they win a playoff game. Does it change anything on the way you view Cliff Kingsbury, the fact that they just whooped up on the Browns and he wasn't there? Was he out for the game? I thought he was with COVID. Um, yeah, but I don't know what the rules are of if he can email uh, practice. I'm sure he does when I, he gets I, on Zoom. Meetings. I don't know. if he, Well, I don't even know when he was out. I know, I'm positive he was not on the sideline, but they're still winning with him on the sideline. Yeah. Hmm. So, I don't know. I, I, I think That still bothers me, and I know it does a lot of people of, like, I, I understand why you couldn't win 10 games necessarily at Texas Tech, and a lot of it is in recruiting. You don't have to deal with that in the NFL. But I would just think 
Like, if you're that good of a coach, how could you not at least make bowl games at Texas Tech? But like I said, I guess recruiting is a big part of why. Maybe he just hated recruiting, and now he doesn't have to do that with Arizona, which is a big boon to him. So congrats on him for the success, and it certainly worked out. The Cardinals, one of the best teams in the NFL. All right, that is our NFL Monday overreactions. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.